Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Long Shot Podcast. I am your host, as always, Duncan Robinson, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Davis Patrick Reed. Davis, how are we doing? I'm great. We are back. The NBA season is back. The vibes are back. Everything's back. We're good. You're feeling very patriotic over there. For those of you uh, watching on YouTube, you can see that Davis is sporting a USA Nike sweatshirt. USA. USA. Actually, that reminds me, I was, uh, when watching the Ryder Cup, what, a week or two ago? I. It's funny, you know, the crowd, the, the patriotism for American sports, you know, there's just, there's nothing like it. You get the crowd on 16, just USA, you, after a guy rolls in a five-foot putt. It's just, it's, it's special stuff. No, it's a thing to behold. I will say it had never been a bucket list item of mine to go to a Ryder Cup until this year. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what it was about this year. Uh, like all of a sudden, I just felt like it was just covered to this great extent. And all of a sudden, people cared way more than ever before. Uh, but like you said, we watched. I think you were in Miami for Saturday, Sunday of it. And uh, great energy out in Whistling Straits. Uh, 100%. A couple takeaways from that statement, because I agree with you. One, it's becoming like the cool thing to do in the NBA. MJ's there every year. Now Steph's there. You know, it's like, it's, I, I get it. It's part of the part of the maybe NBA culture now. You're a big golf guy, so it, it feels on brand. But secondly, interesting point you just brought up. It's on TV and you watch it so people care. You know where that takes me to? Cornhole. Now cornhole's televised, and guess what? You catch yourself watching it on like a midday Saturday, and all of a sudden you're invested. So I think there's something about it, just the exposure makes you care. If you're burning prime time Saturday afternoon hours with watching cornhole, that is some pretty dark behavior. Uh, <laughs> once again, no judgment. Like, who am I to, to judge what anybody's Saturday looks like? Uh, but with that being said, I think it's borderline disrespectful to throw the Ryder Cup in the same category as Cornell. And I also want to say that it was a little disrespectful to to say that I'm now just kind of like in this, uh, you know, I'm following the mainstream NBA thing to be into golf. Like I, I didn't appreciate that either, to be honest with you. That none of it is meant to be disrespectful. I am purely making the correlation that I think what, by watching things, it's easy to get invested, especially when it's competitive. And the Ryder Cup's amazing. But if it weren't televised, I doubt you would care as much. Which also, I got a shout out to my sister, NCAA volleyball. Put it on TV and I bet people would care because that is fun to watch. You know what I love about college volleyball is the camaraderie. The excitement oh, yeah. after every single point. You know, with the Miami Heat, we have a, a staple of our organization and it's celebrating others' success. And those girls, when somebody gets a spike, when somebody gets a great dig, uh, just the level in which they celebrate others' success, it, it's just a, a thing of beauty. It really is. It, it honestly is special. And what's so special is even on bad points, even when the other team right. scores, you're huddling. You're huddling. It doesn't matter. It's keep After, the energy high. It's, it's always about having great vibes, positive energy, next play speed. There's so many things in watching college volleyball that are relatable to real life success and, and what it takes to be successful in real life. Correct. Never too high, never too low. You, you regroup, you huddle, you, uh, you look your teammate in the eye and you say, all right, let's keep it pushing. 
let me uh, let me tell you, you viewers, something. So we keep kind of a, a little running list of things that we kind of want to touch on uh, in the front of show. It's very loose, you know, like single words here and there, just like a kind of like a roadmap. Actually, less like a roadmap because that's more term by term, more of a compass. This is the, the direction Ooh. that we, that we want to head. And I'll be honest with you. Never would I have ever thought that seven minutes into this conversation, not even four minutes into this conversation, we are talking about college volleyball. But that's one yeah. of the beautiful things about the Long Shot Pod is you know you just tune in every week and you just don't know what you're going to get. It's literally yeah. like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. It's just every week is something different and something even more special. For sure. We'll take you on a ride. Maybe we go way off the rails. Doesn't matter. We're here for the journey. Exactly. As long as uh, we got our compass out and we're headed the right direction. I really like that. I, I kind of pulled that one out of the out of thin air, but uh, for some reason it's it's kind of resonating. Uh, did you have anything that you did want to talk about though, Davis? Not really. I mean, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. So we're coming off, uh, like I said, the NBA season's back. The Miami Heat are now one preseason game in the books. We talk about this on this podcast, but we don't want to overreact to a, a preseason game, especially one preseason game. But I will say this, the Miami Heat might be going 82 and 0 this year because God, it was fun watching you guys. Uh, uh, Kyle looks great. PJ looks great. You look great. Uh, there was no Jimmy Butler, and you guys still seem to be just a well-oiled machine. I don't know if that's credit to your preseason, your training camp. I don't know what it is, but you guys. I don't know. The energy was just right. Maybe it's fans back in the arena. There was a lot of good. First off, did you say Tyler? Did you throw Tyler in there? Yeah. Oh, I, I thought you might have uh, omitted his name because I think he should be the, the first name that you mentioned. Maybe maybe I didn't. If I didn't, I apologize. He was fantastic in game one. Uh, but yeah, no, honestly, it felt great to be back out there. Preseason is like, it's strange, right? Because it's like nobody, in theory, nobody cares, but obviously people actually care because it's like your first look at a team and, and how things kind of come together. And then also from the standpoint of like competition, it's like, oh, you know, it's just preseason, but you know, we're all competitors. As soon as the ball goes up, like we're still competing, you know, it's not like people just don't care. Uh, so it's this weird kind of mix, but I will say it, it was a ton of fun to be back out there. Uh, I love the additions that we do have. Some of them you mentioned, uh, I love the group that we have coming back and yeah, I, you know, the energy in FTX arena was, I don't even think it was like close to capacity, but it, it had just been so long since we played in front of fans that it just had this like this feel to it. Uh, and it was special. It was great to be back. I have a couple key takeaways from the game. One, we've already hit on Tyler looked great. Two, you looked really tan, which was exciting. Uh, three, great block from you on a John Collins dunk attempt by far the highlight of the game. And four, we've talked a little bit about Kyle and his ability to push the tempo, but it was like, it's almost, it's hysterical. It's almost, it's like over dramatic. Like there are times where he's getting the ball and just chucks it down the court. It's amazing. <laughs> Talk about high intensity, high excitement. It, uh, I, I said this in my, my post game presser. Uh, that's right. I, I had a post game presser. Um, but it's controlled chaos, but it's, it's so beautiful because it's like he plays with such a pace that when you're just like watching, it, it's like, Sometimes like that looks ridiculous. Like he just chucked the ball down the court, but it's it's not just like reckless abandon. It's like it's actually calculated playing with pace and pushing the tempo. And he has this unbelievable ability to know when to do that and then know when to all right, we need to slow it up, we need to get a good one or we have this stretch of game where we need to manipulate the clock and we can't play that way. And uh it's it's the only thing I can think of is that it's just something that you just kind of like learn over years and years of playing at this level um, because you know you if you stepped into a college program and just started throwing the ball around around like that coaches would lose their mind and and, and he's obviously not turning the ball over either which is like incredibly hard to do but he just has this crazy ability to like toe this line between it's not chaos but it feels like it but it's actually impactful and effective yeah, no, it was, it was fun to watch. Speaking of your post-game presser, I watched it. This is just unfortunately where my life is now. Like I, I need to be dialed in on all things Duncan Robinson. No, that's that's actually your job. You are- Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 
I would, we would be deducted pay. You would be deducted pay. I didn't want to like change the power dynamic and say that I would deduct your pay because that's not really how this works. But you would be deducted yeah. pay if you didn't watch my post game pressers. It's true. My quarterly check ins are like, how many of Duncan's interviews have you watched? What percent? Um, no, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think someone asked you about what you worked on in the off season. And at the end of the question threw in, like, what do you need to improve to beat Davis in one-on-one? Which is, <laughs> which is like such a disrespectful question to you, I thought. Uh, he, I was asked that question. And uh, apparently, according to you, I, I, the answer should have been my tan. Because I, I actually, I actually heard from a couple people that uh, like, hey, you look, you look tan, and I, I don't, I, I want to get up in front of this and say that I don't actually think that I'm tan. I just think that the last two years I have been like so holed up. I, like I live in the city of Miami. Their sun is ninety percent of the day, and I still, I, I would just never see the sun. I got no natural vitamin D. Uh, in, in fact, not to disclose too much of my, uh, you know, personal health information, but I was actually vitamin D deficient. <laughs> I, I, I had to start taking, uh, vitamin D supplements because I was getting so little sun. So anyways, uh, I think it was more so that this summer I just spent just like marginally a little bit more time outside. And a lot of that was actually playing golf. I, I've been trying to play more golf. Now I also want to say, I also spent significantly more time in the gym working on my game. I don't know, so, man. That's not so what it sounds all, like to me. So, so for everybody out there that's going to you know, clip that sound bite and say, oh, Duncan's working on his tan this summer, wasn't working on his game, uh, go kick rocks, please. <laughs> if you're going to do that, please kick rocks uh, because I think I've made it abundantly clear that I've also worked on my game. And I hope that it's it's become clear through how I play as well. I don't know, man. I, if we're connecting the dots, you sign a big contract. Now all of a sudden you're more tan. You're not vitamin D deficient anymore. You just told us you're working on your golf game. I don't know. Things are lining up in a in a weird way. I don't want to be any clickbait title here, but the title of this video might be Duncan Robinson: More Sun, Less Gym. All right, I'm I'm leaving it at that. Let's. Uh, oh, we got some exciting news. We have a a new segment that we Whoa. are. We are feeling out. We are potentially introducing Davis. Do you want to shine some light on what that might be? Yeah. First of all, we need our uh, our uh, workshop, our our sound alert or our uh, sound effect for a new segment. Wee wee wee. We still don't have a soundboard, so I just need to get that in. Um, yes, we. You know, we love hearing from the community. Uh, it's one of our huge for things. us. Huge for us. People are sending long shot features. People are now sending questions for the Reddit question of the week. Like we're not needing to go to Reddit as much. People are sending us direct questions, which is awesome. But we want to keep hearing from the, from the community in a little bit different way. So this new segment, we're working on a name. We don't have a name title. yet. Working a working title. title. But we want to just take a few minutes to just sit down and give some advice. And, and I want to be clear, this isn't coming from a place that we think we're all knowing beings, but we just want to, like we've talked about, this is a community. So if there's anything you want uh, to ask us, it doesn't have to be basketball related. It can be. If you want to ask me, not Duncan, how to shoot a three-pointer, go for it. I'll give you my best answer. But if you also want to ask, you know, you've got a math test coming up and you need some help, fire all questions our way. We're going to have a quick segment where we just, we give some advice to our community. Yeah, I almost prefer it not to be basketball advice. It's okay if it I agree. is. No, I agree. But it, it's think of it more as like a life advice with Duncan and Davis. Is is that's kind of the angle that we're going for? Uh, and once again, this isn't because we have it all figured out. We certainly do not. It's more so because we just want to continue to grow our relationship with all of you. And I, I think what a better way than to get, you know, really intimate, uh, really just get down into the nitty gritty of, of kind of what's on all of your mind and what's been really uh, troubling you. And, and maybe we can shine some light and, and, and maybe help out a little bit in that regard. We'll see. Maybe we can't yeah. either, you know, like more likely than not, we probably can't. But at least we can do is just kind of help, you know, flush it out. The betting odds in Vegas are that we are no help to anybody. So maybe this is a disaster, but I think it's going to be fun. So yeah, uh, please send us social media, Twitter, Instagram. You can message us. Also email us at thelongshotpod at gmail.com. 
we are taking all inquiries uh, and we'll see where this goes. Who knows? We might do it one week and realize it's a terrible idea, but we're exploring. This is what we're doing. We're pushing the envelope forward. Like you've talked about, we have a general compass here, but we're just going to, we're going to go towards the North star and see what happens. Yeah, we're uh, we're all about creativity, and, and we felt like this was a uh, a good angle to take. Let's uh, let's do Reddit question of the week here, Dave. What do you got? Here is a perfect segue because our Reddit question of the week this week is a, a question they need some advice. So this question comes from Pretty Top Say Bro. <laughs> Sorry, sounds right. I don't know. It sounds right. It, it's something in that in that vein. But they ask. What are some one-liners I can use to convince people I'm knowledgeable about basketball when I'm really not? And and let me tell you, I've been there with other events. Maybe it's a maybe it's a hockey game, maybe it's a volleyball game. You know, my family we've talked about big into volleyball. I don't know as much. So what can I do, Duncan, if I'm watching the basketball, the NBA, and I I'm in a, a group that knows a little bit more than me and I want to fit in? What can I say? It's a great question. I I think first off that try your hardest to have your answers fall into the context of the situation, right? So I'm going to give you some like pretty straight point and shoot answers. So let's say for example, an offensive team goes on a little bit of a, an offensive rut. They miss a couple shots, ball's not going in. Instead of saying something like, uh, oh, you know, the ball's not going in or uh, he's got to make that. That's like, that's, that's very surface level. What I think you can get to is always talk about the spacing. Spacing's Ooh. bad. Yeah. Bad spacing. They yeah. got to get better spacing. Give the ball some some air. Uh, you know, find find the open man. Let the ball find energy. A little more driving kicks and paint touches to some sprays. Talk about the spacing and really lean into that. Spacing is key for offensive success. Now, it's very likely that they have great spacing and the ball's just not going in. But you can always fall back on spacing. And the other thing is. Nobody's ever going to be able to call you on that because they're not going to be able to look back and be like, oh, yeah, like that possession five possessions ago had bad spacing. Like (laughs) what it'll really show is that it'll show how observant you've been, whether or not you actually have been. Uh, So I point out the spacing. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good answer because here's the other thing. The spacing can always be better unless you have unless you have four guys in the four corners of the court. Your spacing can always be better. So I think that's a good one. I think that's one you can constantly lean on. I'm going to go talk about the coverages defensively. You know, announcers love the buzzword of coverages, you know, and it just, it sounds elevated. I don't even know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about coverages, but I think if a team's getting scored on, if your team can't get a stop, you just talk about how you need to mix up the coverages. Okay. And that, I I think that immediately is going to ascend you into the, the IQ of the group there. A safe one, since you bring it up, it's a great point. A safe one in NBA circles is now you now mind you, you have to be sure that they're not already switching everything, but a great adjustment that you can point out is they need to switch every ball screen. They gotta start mm. switching. Take away the triggers, take away the action, switch everything, blow it up, yeah. flatten like them that. out, stuff like that. Because it's important though that you have to know that prior to that they have not been switching everything, uh, because if you say they need to switch everything and they've been switching everything, then you you just don't. You yeah, don't that one's that about. one's a little more advanced. You got to be in tune yeah. with the with the switching, but spacing, coverages, switch everything. I think those are three good ones you can lean on uh, when watching a game. All right, Dave, pushing forward here to our long shot feature, Ibrahim Hamatau. Not sure if that last name is correct. I'm sorry, Ibrahim, if it's not. Feels right, though. Feels right. He's an Egyptian Paralympic table tennis player. He lost both of his arms at 10 years old in a train accident. He holds the paddle in his mouth, which is absolutely incredible to me. Unreal. And he represented Egypt at the 2016 and 2020 Paralympic Games. That is nothing short of absolutely remarkable. Yeah, remarkable. He's... uh... He's represented. He's been in a couple uh, championships since, like, for the last decade, uh, world championships. But yeah, two Paralympic appearances and just, uh, just amazing stuff. Another good one. These are good every week, though. Yeah, incredible stuff, Ibrahim. All right, we got a great conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Solomon Hill. Here is Solo. When you need. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back in to the Long Shot Podcast. We are joined by a very special individual, uh, a great friend of mine, a former teammate, and just an all-around fantastic human being. Solo, how we doing, man? Can't complain, man. Pretty dope. It's, it's pretty like a pretty surreal moment for me, man. I'm like doing like a little a little shindig with one of the best shooters ever. So, you know, I'm having a great <laughs> moment right now. I'm definitely enjoying myself. So I, I got to tell you, uh, I appreciate you pumping my tires first and foremost. But uh, you know, you've we we targeted you early on as somebody we wanted to have on this podcast, uh, mostly just because of the person that you are. You know, the personality that you have. Uh, so in my eyes, it's, it's long overdue that, that you would join I appreciate us. Appreciate it, appreciate it, man. Anytime you want me on, man, I'm available. I'm for sure available. I love that. Uh, so we actually just played against each other preseason basketball uh just last night we're recording this on a tuesday um and solo i gotta ask how did it feel i know you've been in back in miami a little bit but you know one of the first things that that you were saying to our coaching staff was talking about you know that you had your body fat down you're keeping it down <laughs> how did it feel to be back in miami competing against some guys you know who you have a little bit of history with um it's always like a, a, a guy of mine for in my career, um, you start to embrace those moments. Uh, initially, uh, I learned from like D West to not shake hands in my first three, three years. I wouldn't shake hands with anybody, you know, because it was about business. You know, we um, was able to establish our own type of culture in Indiana. And then once I was able to go to New Orleans, and then you see the like the relaxed mode of things that were done there. It was kind of like, why am I shooting myself in the foot with these relationships? Because I'm thinking, you know, it's it's championship or bust, like F everybody else. And I've been able to meet, um, you know, it's the reason why I'm on this podcast. I've been able to uh, meet and have great conversations with, um, you know, some of the best athletes in the world. And uh, it's a, it's it's breathtaking. You know, even Andre, you know, um, like for your first for your first podcast and you do the introduction, the introduction was almost a minute long for Andre. And, uh, and that's cool, you know. That's the qualities of life. Uh, if, if that's not, it's not always about competing. It's about uh, it's a brotherhood behind it all too, because we all had to do things to get here. Um, and so, uh, you know, just seeing the coaching staff and seeing everybody in Miami was, it's cool because it was that that emergence of life again of being a competitor. You know, you want to win it all. Um, they always ask you those questions when you want to get drafted. Is you know, would you want to average thirty on a bad team or be a part of something bigger than yourself, winning the championship and um, that sacrifice was felt in Miami. You know, everybody even crazy enough to have different type of leading scores in the playoffs. You know, that's so, that's so selfless and to play for one another and to give that feeling back um, to a player like me was, was huge to be in Miami. And I was able to take that and go to Atlanta and, and kind of breathe some life into those young guys. And it showed, the culture showed what it was last night. You know, you guys are going to be the best shape. You guys are going to be, you know, Coach Bo is always great at making sure guys are on their X's and O's. And we have our own steps to take to try to get like that. And I hope to be a big part of that on and off the court. When you first got to Miami, I mean, obviously I knew about you. I played against you. But probably the thing that stuck out to me the most outside of like getting to know you personally and realizing uh, just how, how great of a human being you are was how you really leaned into your voice in the locker room. And, you know, at that point, you were, what, 28 years old, 27 years old? Yeah, 27. I spent my – I spent – I turned uh, – no, yeah. I was in COVID. Ah, man, I turned 28 and 29 during COVID. So, I mean, 32, but, yeah, I was 27 when I came here. So – No, 28, tripping. Yeah, because it was a year ago. I keep thinking two seasons. Oh, yeah, yeah, But yeah, I'm yeah. like, yeah, I, I keep – I'm tripping, man. That, yeah. That, that but anyways, as, as a 28-year-old – 
to have the perspective that you have, what do you feel like shaped that? I mean, was it, is that something you just felt like you always had, or is it something that you just kind of learned and picked up from, from veterans before you and experiences that you had prior to? Uh, most definitely veterans. Uh, you know, I always, I always say a lot about David West and speak highly of David West because he came to Indiana to win. You know, uh, PG at that moment was probably like easily top five player in the league. Uh, once I had got there, uh, to see the competitiveness of Lance Stevenson, uh, George Hill is a, is a vet. He's a pro. You know, he's still he's he's still playing, he's still hooping, and they kind of put that into me. Um, you know, in Indiana, the city is not for it's not bright lights, it's not entertainment. It's it's get your nose dirty. You know, uh, that that grinded out nasty type of basketball was something that was put into me, and so just listen, listening to, to, to trying to absorb as much as possible, even to this day. Um, I think that's huge about who I am. I'm, I don't want to be one of those guys that are so into their own egos that I can't continue to learn because uh, there's life after basketball. And as much as I enjoy basketball, I, I think I want to be a better person than I am a basketball player. So um, anytime I'm in a room and I can listen to somebody or connect with somebody, I'm definitely down, definitely open. And I would say that's because I had good veteran leadership. I think people talk a lot about, and I'm not saying you're, you're a journeyman, but like you've had different stops. And I think people talk often about journeyman and it has a negative connotation that you've bounced around or whatever, but there's a reason that you've been valued every single place that you've gone. And there, there's a reason why when we had you in Miami, you were moving the needle, you were making a difference. And there's a reason why Atlanta re-signed you, re-upped you this year. And obviously it's your, your on-court stuff, but I, I think the value that you bring beyond on the court, the, it goes unnoticed to a level that honestly bothers me because of how much you were doing behind the scenes in our run. And I just think that it's one of those things that like, if you know, you know, people in the locker room understand it and get it. But for you, like, how do you how do you wrap your mind around that? Maybe from an ego standpoint of like, you know what you bring to the table, but maybe you're not getting the recognition that you necessarily deserve. Uh, I always, like I always told myself, uh, the goal was to be a, a NBA basketball player. You know, of course you want to be a multiple all-star, all that, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, my goal was to be an NBA basketball player. And I've been blessed to be able to do that for nine years. And I'm having, I'm, I, I, you think it's funny. Um, uh, but I sit here and I'm I'm on a podcast with one of the best shooters, like and and keep going at all time. You know what I'm saying? So it's those are the things that matter to me. It's not I don't I don't need credit for anything. I kind of like I love the way that I'm able to live my life because um, I can because of like you said because you speak highly in that regard. I'm able to have conversations with like you, uh, Andre Guadalla. You know I come here a little, from Trey Young to Lou Will and. That's where it's important to me. I think we're in the social media area where everybody wants to be seen, you know, and I'm cool knowing that I can text you guys on my phone. I can call you guys in real life. I don't need I don't need likes. I don't need people saying things in the media. Um, I just like playing the game of basketball. I love, I love um, talking to my fellow players and being out there and. That's fine with me. You know, if I'm is my I want to I want to get a ring. You know, that's the thing is like if I can help a team get to a ring, no matter how it is, then I've, I've kind of helped accomplish my goal. But I don't do it for credit and I don't need it. Um, I'm perfectly fine being this guy because I can always get a pair of golf clubs from you. I can get some investment, you know, ideas from Dre. You know, I'm saying I can go to Chicago with K9. I can go to San Diego, see Jimmy. Like it's just I can the fact that I can move in those circles instead of trying to be somebody that um that makes everybody happy i'm, I'm perfectly fine so i love that you keep referencing him as the greatest shooter or one of the greatest shooters in the world but he uh it's one of his least favorite things to do on this podcast is hype himself <laughs> up uh i know so, oh, um, yeah. I, oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah i might really yeah, we don't need that we don't need that video if you see the video um that we're in the bubble and that's one thing i love about duncan is the fact that you know, he, he he never likes that. I don't. If we don't care if we're on the course, we're I'm watching him practice. Um, it's because he has good habits, and I know he don't care about. But I'm gonna do it regardless. I, I could care less what he say because sometimes he needs that. He needs to just be like, "Yo, go out there and make 15 threes in a game, bro." Like if anybody can do it, it's definitely you. So anytime I get a chance to pump him up, you know, I'm gonna 
Because maybe he could pass on some of that shooting stroke to me. You know what I'm saying? If you don't want it, I'll take it, bro. I'll definitely take it for sure. Well, I think that's what – I mean, that's what – that just ties into what Duncan's saying. It's just what makes you a good teammate. Because he does – I mean, obviously, you need people in your ear. You need people boosting your confidence. But on the flip side, you also need uh, to keep him humble in times. And that leads me to uh, the popsicle pick that you posted on Instagram of him. Can I just ask you uh, what inspired you? <laughs> what inspired you to share that with the world? Man, it was just like, like he'd be putting himself in these situations. And I, I just it just happened so fast that that it just came to my mind. Like, yo, what are you, what are you doing, bro? Like, like <laughs> come on, bro. You really just even the face. If you saw like, but that's him though. You know, um, we were talking about. Hey, bro, like, you don't post. You don't post anything on social media. Like, you know, you, I'm pretty sure you got ad advertisement. Like, you got something that, that's out there. And he was totally against it. So against it. Like, just super against it. And to see him come out of the show, it's like, I'm, for sure, I'm, you know, I'm going to crack a joke or two. Because it's like, bro, I see you you posting it. So they must be, they must be, you know, paying nice. But it's cool to see him come out of that show. And, and when you come to humbling him, you know, I'm going to do my job. Trey going to do his job. Spogo, you know, Spogo take care of that part too. So, you know, it's cool to see him um, in a situation where, you know, I, I feel like he's not even done yet. Like he's really like, man, like F that money, F all that stuff. Like I'm really, I don't think I'm that good. And that's what drives him. And that's what like, it, it kind of humbles me is the fact that like, dang, don't you really think he ain't like, he ain't that super nice like that. And I can't even clip 40%. I'm thinking to myself like, man, I'm just, you know, but I'm, you know, it's it's for me. I think he has to understand is that I really look at it as wow, you're, you're breaking, you're doing things that nobody's ever done before, and I'm gonna give you flowers regardless. I'm not gonna wait till he's 62 and his back goes out and they're showing clips of him on the Miami Heat whatever Instagram page. But I'm, I'm gonna give him his flowers because I'm I enjoyed and, and learned a lot from competing with him and practicing. With him. I appreciate that. Hey, but man, that but, but that popsicle, don't do that popsicle thing <laughs> ever, <again>, bro. <laughs> You know, you know what what actually really killed me about that is that first off, that was like a big game. Like that had like real like real playoff implications. One. Two, I played terrible in the game. And then three, to see all my teammates, like Miami Heat teammates, in your comments laughing their ass off, making fun yeah, of me tough. too. I'm like, yo, oh, solo really man. put me out like that. That hurt. You did it to your oh, hey. You know, though, now you know. You would never post something like that again. I'm, see, I taught you a lesson, and lessons are hard sometimes, but you learn them. You for sure learn them. Nah, I, I definitely uh, I definitely learned that one. And I don't want to hear anything about the fact that you can't shoot, man. Like, like, what are we talking about here? It's good. Like, I want, like, I just want the clip. Like, if I could just rattle off. Like, let me just hold it for a season, bro, and I'll get, I'll get it back. I'll get it back. I promise you I'll get it back. Tyler, Tyler cooking right now, too, so it, it, it can kind of help, like, balance it out. So if you just let me hold it, and I'll give it back to you, bro. I'll give it back to you, you know what I'm saying? I want to talk bubble days a little bit. Just because uh, when I look back, I, I think of those memories as something that sticks out to me as some of my fondest memories of that year. Obviously, the competing and advancing, but the, the moments in between. And, uh, you know, for me, like whether it be on the golf course and, and, and finding that balance, it was always something that I felt you had figured out, which is something that I've strived to try to figure out. And I think everybody has their own version of balance. But I guess talk a little bit about kind of how you got to that point where, where you're able to have this holistic perspective over, all right, I got my work because you work your ass off and nobody gets that misunderstood. Like, like you're one of the first in last out type of guys, but you also have this incredible ability to like have, bring levity to the game. Yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, it's funny cause, um, Kobe, everybody like retweeted that quote in that video of Kobe saying that, you know, he grew up and he saw guys playing basketball for money. He knew it was going to be easy. And I thought to myself, like, man, it must be nice, you know, um, to kind of be raised in a situation where you don't have to worry about the financial, you know, where it's kind of like you're not like you. I'm in a situation where I've been basically playing for my family to not have to worry about things. And that was a majority of my career. Uh, and I never got to a point where I relaxed, but then I, I found myself so worried about 
the income that I forgot to, I forgot to enjoy the game. I forgot to enjoy my time in the NBA. Um, and that was like, I went to New Orleans. When I went to New Orleans, it was a situation where I was just, I just went for the money. Like I didn't really too much care about the coaching or the front office or the direction that they wanted to go in. Or I was like, I just thought big number. And then um, you get to see certain, certain situations and they take the fun out of the game. They take the fun out of it. Like, that's what, I mean, that's basically what we shape our whole day around. And so when you're not having fun at work, um, you know, it's a situation where that can, that can take from you. And so being able to go to like a Memphis and see the, the young guys and the energy in that building and, um, and then to go on to Miami and where I say, you guys basically, you helped me out, not just for the basketball purposes, but also like in life. You know, you don't want to be a guy that's going try to get to the NBA your whole career and, and win. I mean, it wasn't just get to the NBA, but win the championship. And my first year, we was in the Eastern Conference Finals against Miami. And we had the best record in basketball. We were like, yo, we're going to get home court. We're going to get home court. You know, we, we took them guys to game seven last year and we played on the road. We just need to get home, home court. And we got home court. We lost like the first game. And it kind of just sent shockwaves um, through the team. But then you, you think that that's your career. You think you're going to compete for a championship realistically every year. Guys get traded, you know, um, situations happen. Then you're like, dang, I can't even, can I smell the playoffs? I come back to Miami, put me in a situation where I'm like, you get your work in, you're going to be ready. Um, you know, staff is going to make sure you're ready. So I'm in a situation where all I got to do is show up at the times I'm supposed to, work my ass off, and then I, why not? You know, why not go and be able to have fun? Because I'm a person too. I'm a basketball player second, but I'm a person first. And so I had to, because I'm just naturally, you know, I won class clown in high school. I feel like uh, I beat a lot of things outside of basketball that I'm not going to be just – I can't be super serious. Uh, I kind of have to smile about it because I'm thankful. Uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity I get to play basketball for a living. Um, so in the bubble, it was – man, it was – I love the bubble. I know a lot of people, but it just gave me a chance to kind of – you know, my, I knew my family was safe, but it gave me a chance to kind of just work on me, uh, play the game that I love. Uh, and then just make make good friendships for sure. How's your uh, how's your golf game these days? Because you were just Trash, bro. just picking it up when we were in there. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's crazy to think that like I've been trying to. I think uh, Kev Kev Herter's gonna he's gonna put me in touch with um, his guy, and I'm gonna get some clubs because I beat my clubs to death in there. But I'll be sitting here thinking, um, you know, we was in the finals a year ago, like yeah, a year ago. So it's I haven't crazy. really had a chance. Son was born um, in my second season in Atlanta. So I think this season is the time that I can kind of find my daily routine, my habits. Um, this is our coach's first full season. So just trying to find the, the balance of, of, of everything in the bubble was easy. We just went to practice, able to get on the bus, and we was at the course. Uh, but I definitely um, want to make that a, a, a habit and, and, and something I do on the weekend. For sure. I need to get better, bro. I need to get better. <laughs> You talk about how hard it is to get back to the playoffs or how hard it can be. How different is your approach in Atlanta just in the locker room this year versus last year? Because you guys get that taste of success. You make your run to the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I remember seeing your post-game uh, or like end-of-season press conference, I think it was, and you were talking about how in regards to Milwaukee, it's like they've been through so much. We haven't really been through anything in Atlanta. We're a bunch of young guys, you know, franchise that's still looking for uh, playoff success. What does a run do for a locker room of a bunch of young guys? And how does it change the approach then coming into this year? It definitely adds some weight to the situation. Um, I really, I realistically thought that we were going to win a chip last year because we were such the underdogs, even typical in the way that we were in Miami. And there's a situation where everybody else thinks we're the underdogs, the media, all these things. And, and, and it has a weird way of affecting the people that take in that media. You know, if, if analysts say that your team's going to win 90% of the time, you know, and you see that, you may relax. You may be like, oh, this should be easy, blah, blah, blah. And then we go on and we make this magnificent run because we're just doing it together. Now that we're not the underdogs, that pressure to go out there and deliver is already ready from the jump. Um, you know, and I, I spoke about even Miami situation for us to go to the finals and get swept. It's like, yo, we're, you know, we just walked into a preseason game against guys that are not only in the best um, condition that probably an NBA player can be, 
But then also they have this thing hovering over their head of like they just got swept by a team that they basically I'll be almost kind of embarrassed, you know, um, the years prior. So um, it's kind of like as you can say you can say it, but for us to have that game uh, yesterday, I mean, yeah, yesterday was huge for the mental. It's kind of like that wake up call that we need, and I, and I love the fact that we started the season like that because a veteran team, you can kind of say things and they understand, it, especially if you have guys like Andre Guadalla, you know, Jimmy Butler, you got UD, you know, you got these guys that are like cornerstones to winning championships. Um, and uh, yeah, I say Jimmy is a cornerstone to winning championships just because the, the way that he plays the game of basketball. Um, and so with, with our young guys, it's kind of having them understand the roles that we need to fit, everybody kind of doing their job and that pressure to win from the first game, not halfway through the season, but that first game is something that we can only experience. And we look forward to that challenge. I think we have we have a lot of young talent that are is thirsty to go out there and, and, and put their imprint on the game. But it's something that we have to just go through. You know, we talk about Philadelphia. We talk about um, Miami. It's like a, it's a constant day-to-day effort to get better. You know, and this is not just for a year, but this is over a span of like five to six years. So, um, you know, luckily we've signed most of our guys to to longer year deals and we got the core um, locked in and we just want them to lead the way. And, and, and uh, I'm going to try to do as best I can and let them know that, hey, every game is important now. You know, seeding's important. All those stuff is important because it's a regular season. It's, uh, it's crazy, but I've been reminded over the last 12, 14 months, more than any of – how it's just a, a what have you done lately league and that people don't really care you know for example i'm just using the hawks because obviously you're, you're a member of them but like you guys went to the conference finals last year i mean this that that doesn't mean much for this year like mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you just have a target like that that's yep. really all that means um mm-hmm. and it's certainly you know it, it doesn't necessarily carry over Mm-hmm. No, that's that's factual, bro, and um, that's why it's like you you have to be ready mentally for. There's gonna be some dark days, and that's not to say like a span of a week of losing. It's, no, it's it's when we're getting our 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 butt kicked in the second quarter in Denver, and it's like, yo, what are we are we gonna are we gonna we're gonna fight or we go to we got New York in New York on Christmas Day, and you know the aptness and the. You know, it's not as much COVID. The seats are going to be closer. The fans are going to be closer. You know what I'm saying? It's now that atmosphere is going to be different for certain other guys, and it's not going to be the same relaxed um, type of thing. Is It's real. Targets are going to definitely be on our backs, um, and people are going to want that, you know, because there's some attention coming. I think we had one TV game last year. Now we got more than seven. And so um, it's like you said, we, we have to keep showing up every year, not just have this one run you know, and then go back to nobody remembering us for another whatever amount of years. But that target is there, and it's big. You talked earlier about your decision to go to New Orleans. And obviously, you know, you, you had a great deal there and uh, had a big payday. I'm, I'm curious because this is something that I've now am kind of like traversing and going through of – and once again, I'm not asking for sympathy, empathy, any of that. Obviously, we get paid a lot of money, and we get paid that money to to carry these types of burdens. But in yeah. your perspective, how does that change just everything when you get a public payday like that? Um, it really only changes by the public's perception, um, and then the individual. It doesn't necessarily mean much, and I would say in the organization. Because the organization look at it like the GM looks at it as a it's it's a bargaining tool. It's like it's something that we have to do. It doesn't it's not the really the dollar figure, but it's something that we have to do to to keep this asset. It's really like fans and family that make the most of it. Because you make this, you should be doing that. And that doesn't make any sense to anybody. It's like there's no certain criteria that you need to meet. If you get if somebody comes into a room and they tell you, hey, I'm going to give you this much money. And you didn't put a gun to their head. You didn't threaten their family. You know, of course, every, I feel like majority of players should, should take what's going to benefit them the most. And that may be playing time or whatever, but um, nothing really changed, honestly, for me. Um, I really didn't even start spending money until about like last year. Um, you know, I, I felt like uh, 
because of outside sources. Like I had to play a certain way and I, and I really did. Uh, I think I fought with that for a while. And then you find out like not everybody is really trying to necessarily win. Um, and, and you just move forward. You know, it, it's whatever you sign for is you sign for, and that's yours um, to deal with whatever amount of years that you have. And you shouldn't even care about it. You shouldn't even think about it. Uh, if anything, you should be working on your next one. Uh, I think that's something I felt to do was like work on that next one, but nothing really changes. I mean, you just got to watch your family situation like me. You watch family um, and you just, you just have more adult toys, you know, I, I mean, those were like race cars and drones and stuff like that, but nothing changed, bro. You don't have to change anything about who you are or any responsibility about um, shooting or scoring. You don't need none of that on, on your conscience, bro. Just, just who just have fun. Nah, I think is that's interesting though, because like when you have, at least I've felt this way, right? When, when you mm -hmm. get paid, and then all of a sudden there's like this expectation of, all right, well, like now I got to come, do I have to come back a different player? Like, do I have to do something more than, than what I've, obviously I, I have to continue doing what I've, what I've done, but there is like this, this weird, this push and pull because yeah, you're saying it's, it's external. And that's what I felt more than anything. It was interesting to hear you mm -hmm. say that because I, I felt like, I personally haven't changed the way my approach hasn't changed people around me. Not much has changed a little bit here and there in terms of, you know, mm -hmm. how I'm, how I'm treated um, or, or whatever. But like the biggest thing is like that, that external pressure, but it's hard to act like that's not there because it is whether you like it or not. No, for sure. And, and it's going to be there because it's like I said, like with the, the media analyst, it's something that it's, it's clickbait. It's going to be the first thing that people can run to when they don't feel like you're, playing to it's not like Spoles out there writing articles about hey man we paid Duncan this and he's not no it's it's those outside sources and you know I always say like they they pay like I'm looking at the situation like if I'm a gym I'm paying you one because I don't want nobody else to have you I'm, and I'm paying you because you work with Bam you work with Jimmy you work with what we want to do here and it's shown success you know now I'm not going to pay you a hundred thousand if there's nobody out there that's going to pay you that. But if there's a situation where we know the market for you and we know that somebody, you know, I thought the Knicks should have made a move at you, you know, and it's like, Hey, we'd rather keep you here. We know the value you bring to the team. You've shown your value and what you bring to the team. So we're going to lock you up for the next five. It's not because we need you to do this every year that your contract signed. No, I signed that deal already. You know, you guys have me here. Um, there's no, there's no pressure to be anybody other than, the same guy that was showing up every day that was went from the two way to, to who you are now. And it, it's different. Uh, you know, you got to have these conversations with other athletes that, that sign deals too, because it's like you say, you hear that from, you know, I hear that from people on Twitter that, you know, it, it, yeah, we make a lot of money, but then there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with what we do too. You know, I mean, everybody, everybody has an opportunity to make some type of money. Who's to say our money is a lot of money because there's people that make more for sure. There's more people that make less, but, we do the work, you know, you, I can't tell anybody on the street, your grind and your journey from, you know, from high school till now. And some people would fold under a one month of pressure. Or I think about the Pat Riley test that you got to do for Miami. And then the expectations, not just the hoop, but to keep your body in pristine condition from, from when you signed with Miami first to now. And so there's a lot of things that you have to do. And a lot of people just say, Oh, they can do it. But, you know, to each his own and everybody has their own opinion about, you know, how we make our money and what we do. But we provide a service that creates generates billions of dollars. You know what I'm saying? We just getting our slice of the pie just like everybody else would. Um, and there, there shouldn't be any added pressure. I think Dre taught me that the most, uh, you know, when Max was like, he's going to take Andre Iguodala. And I'd be thinking about, well, if Dre ever cared about if he ever thought about threes and I'm sitting there like, oh, no, I'm not going to take that. You know, he takes them and he makes them when he's supposed to. He doesn't care about what people are saying. He doesn't care about what his percentage was before he made, took this one or his last five shots that he took. It's a big time moment. He steps up and he plays the game. And that's how you got to look at your contract situation too. It's like, man, that's just to secure me being here. That's that's the, the tag that you guys, that people are paying for me to just keep continuing doing what I'm doing. Because you you, you deserve the right to have Highs and lows. <laughs> I mean, if not, then they should have gave you more. If you can't have a you should have got 200. You know what I'm saying? So, 
it, it, it's something that you're going to learn when you're, especially on your own. Like it's easier said than done, but it's something that you're just going to be like, the people that matter most are going to be like, hey, just keep pooping. You know, like, I really worry about the, the other stuff except people that really don't know about it. Get that. I, I like that you said you're just getting your slice of the pie. For people who are upset about how much money uh, NBA players are making, take it up with the general public because we're the ones buying tickets and watching games and buying jerseys. And we have created, like you said, a billion dollar uh, market. So uh, it, within the NBA, is there like a, because you guys are talking about, you know, I think I think it's Andre Duncan, you say, says there's no such thing as being overpaid. You're just paid whatever exactly. someone thinks thinks you're worth. Yeah. Is there an un, is there an understanding in the NBA like a brotherhood of like it, it, is that the general consensus or are you looking at guys like man he's making more than me I deserve that I want to go kill this guy on the court. Uh, so I think I think initially being young I, I thought like that for sure. You know you step on the court and you'd be like they paying him what like are you serious bro. But then as you get older, you start to understand that, you know, this is a business, you know, there's situations where you can go somewhere and, and then disappear off the face of the earth, or you can kind of navigate the right waters. Um, and then you get to a point where you want everybody to get whatever, um, especially as we come into a situation now where the elite are going to get the bigger slices, you know, and then you see guys like it's hard for a free agent to, to go and sign something when you got Blake Griffin signing on minimums and Paul Millsap signing on minimums, but that's the game that has turned into. And, um, but we want, I want everybody to get paid. I want everybody to get, get as much money as they possibly can. Um, Cause there's a lot of sacrifice and hard work that came with this. And I want them to re- be able to retain a lot of the money that they do make. Um, Cause being an older guy and, and, and being a vet or whatever, and being in a situation where it's, I get to kind of see it and be able to go to different places and see how different places operate. You know, you have some businesses outside of basketball that can't afford to not be successful. The NBA has shown you that some teams can just be like, all right, we're going to lose and try to wait for some type of guy. And in that process, you end up costing a lot of guys that work their butts off to get to the NBA their whole careers. And so anytime somebody can get their money, get, get a contract, I, I applaud them and I can't wait to compete against them. It's more now of like, all right, you know, they pay blah, 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 X amount of dollars. Okay, let me go out there and guard them. Let me see, you know, as opposed to, oh, I should be getting that or, you know, this guy's better. You know, I, I want everybody to get their money for sure. Yeah, I definitely think that they're – I went through a, a similar transition. And not to say that I've fully gotten to the other side of it, but, like, I remember early on of, like, that constant need and want to, like, compare. And I remember mm-hmm. once – one specifically, and it wasn't even like a direct comparison, but it was like one of my first preseason games. And for some reason, Spo started me against uh, Charlotte and Batum. Mm-hmm. I, I was matched up with Batum, and he had obviously yeah he signed that huge deal. And I'm thinking like, man, like if I could hold my own, if I can do this, like mm-hmm. you know, I, even if I just had a third of that or whatever. And then yeah. I remember recently i think when batum got picked up by the clippers there was an article that I, I was reading i think it was in the athletic and he was talking about his contract and how it was this dark cloud that just followed him everywhere he went because he felt like he let a city down in charlotte he he never lived up to it and all this stuff and i think in the article he even has a quote about like i wish i i could could have given money back and it's like it's crazy because that that's a crazy concept right there in and of itself. But it also mm-hmm. like, it had me think back to that. It's like, there's this human side to, to competing at a high level and making all this money and doing these things that just gets, that gets lost in everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, someone like, like Batum, who's now like had a little bit of a resurgence in his career. And it's just interesting to see like, you know, he, he could always hoop and, and add value, but it's like when you have this this like metaphorical weight, it, it adds a different dynamic. It really does. For sure. For sure it does. And you got to th- even looking at that situation where I, I, I put it in perspective of, okay, Batoon says he thinks he let that city down. Okay, even Batoon's out there 
doing everything he's supposed to. If you don't win a championship, what are you doing for? You know what I'm saying? Like you, if you don't win it all, just then you're hyper, you're really letting the city down. Like that, the city wants a championship. They don't want to compete like a, a because you look at okay, you look at Philly situation. Philly's a situation where they're competing at a high level. They've been in the playoffs, but now the city of Philly is like that's not enough. So no matter what you do for a city, even if you win one, they want another one. So it, it, for him, that's tough. That's that, that I, I hurt for him thinking that he has to. He feels like he has to get money back, or that he did. He played the game of basketball, man. Like you, you win some, you lose some, and then the situation now where you see a guy of his caliber signing, and now he feels freer because it's no, uh, you know, I'm not getting paid ten, twelve million dollars, twenty, thirty million dollars to go out there and be Kawhi or PG, I get to just be the guy that like helps them and, and, and no weight added. So it shows you even the most humble, like the, the most active of people or the people that are highly regarded feel that way too. And you don't want that for anybody. It's almost like you should get signed and just put that money somewhere. But, but the fact is it goes public. Everybody gets to see it. Everybody like, you know, when they're going to write an article, they're going to tell you about how much you take up of the salary cap and this and that. And it's even funnier now because, the money has changed, you know, people are getting paid more. So now how do you gauge how much somebody's making when everybody's making $8 million plus or $10 million plus when it was $10 million was, was like, Oh my God, this guy's making that much money. Now you're starting to see that streams of income are going to just change the way that we value the dollar and how people think about it. Um, because you see guys like Steph Curry relish in that moment of being like, yeah, give me 50 million. Watch, watch what I do with it. You know, I'm not worried about none of that, bro. Like, I'll take whatever you want to give me and I'll go out there and hoop. So you see you see certain guys that um, that go through that and, and that's a public service to people like ourselves. It's just being like, yo, just go hoop, man. It's a billion-dollar business. Somebody's going to get some money. Like, somebody's going to get paid. And then there's guys that you can look at and be like, man, this guy got paid $100 million and nobody even talks about him. Like, he's not even in the league no more. You know, and nobody seems to care anything about that. And then there's one particular guy that just had the same situation and they'll, they'll kill him in the media. Um, but don't worry about that stuff, dude. And, and I hate that for Batum. Man, get all your chips. Because you who, who's to say that Charlotte did you the best service and how they approached the game? And um, so you can't – there's no one guy that can make or break. I mean, there's a couple, like, individuals that can make or break a team going over the top, but – for everybody else, it's like, man, just get get what you came there for. Do your job. Try your best, and then you move on. That that sentiment of like, get yours. Worry about yourself. Like, I feel like that's been told to me through so many different perspectives of, of veterans, and, and there's like this constant message of that. Is that? Do you feel that that's more of like? just a veteran, older, hardened, cynical approach? Or do you think that's just a more like real, like realism approach of like, this is just what it is? Hey, I think it's, it's, it is what it is because you have to change the game. Um, you're, you're starting to see instances where guys have to um, do for themselves. Uh, it's, not, it's not the league anymore where you can be on the team for eight years, go to another team, be there for five years, and then have, you know, 13-year career, you've been with just two teams. This is now a situation where your elites are getting paid and then you're just shuffling the role players. You're looking for the best possible combination that you can. Some teams are blessed than, than others. now. And then with the increase of revenue, you're starting to see teams be able to hold on to, to three pieces, four pieces now, and then the, the shuffle will continue to remain with the rest of the, the lineup. I'm pretty sure even with your deal, you're going to be in a situation where you see guys um, high value guys, you know, uh, come in maybe towards the end of their career and sign a, a year deal, a year or two deal, um, because they're looking for that right combination of guys to place around, you know, yourself, Jimmy, bam. Um, and so you have to be in a situation where teams are going to look out for themselves. You know, that's what they're going to do. It, it, as much as we don't want to believe it's a business and the owner of the team is a billionaire and this is something that, you know, it's going to be in the family or they're going to sell for another billion dollars. You have to be in a position as you look at yourself as a business as well. They're a business. They're going to put themselves first. Your business, you have to, in a sense, put yourself first, too, because nobody's going to pay you back because of what you did. Nobody's going to be like, yo, oh, you know, he could have signed for more, but he, he gave us 10 million more in the cap. 
you know what, we're going to give him a $10 million birthday gift. It's like, no, they're going to keep that money and they're going to spend it somewhere else um, on something that they think is best or make a decision that's best for the team and not necessarily Duncan Robinson. Now, I'm not saying that in a, in a particular type of team, but when it's all said and done, you have to kind of, you kind of have to fight for your own, your own spot. You know, you look at, you know, you look at the, the madness and, and the media hype behind Kyrie and him just trying to be whoever he is and, and teach his own. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody wants everybody to just fall in line and do what they're supposed to be told. And you're going to have guys that, you know, that, that do things differently. Um, I think they ran, what was his name? Muhammad. They ran somebody, uh, I forgot his name, but he was stupid. Nice. It was like, Steph Curry um, back in the day, and they ran him out the league because of their perceptions of who he was as a person. Go ahead. Yeah, it's uh, what's the name? Raheem. Uh, oh my gosh, what is his name? Little guard, you're saying he was? Yeah, just in the, he was just in the big three. Big three, bro. And, and, and it's a it's perception of you think that all these guys, foreign some guys, you think everybody's just going to be so easily to conform, regardless of whatever you think is right or wrong. We're, we're people, um, and you and you got to kind of just live in that world of like, hey, because you only got yourself here. I didn't get you here. I mean, as much as we want to give credit for everybody, you know, I know Miami, he's going to be like, they're going to feel a ton about how they got. But it's a situation where you are the business. When it's all said and done, you have to look out for you um, and trust that the team that you're working with is looking out for you too. I I want to take this a different direction real quick. You mentioned Miami Heat, fan base, culture, all that stuff. I want to talk a little bit about you leaning into your presence on NBA Twitter because you've become a little bit of an NBA Twitter legend. So just just talk a little bit about that. You know what, man? I had to give uh, I had to give Miami Heat fans tremendous credit. You know, because at first I was, you know, iffy about getting on Twitter or being very active on Twitter or social media. Um, but even like Instagram, you know, TP did a nice job of just like put on there um and then on twitter it's kind of you know it's certain characters that's on twitter and certain people on twitter that kind of just they got it going for me um and i feel like i'm a funny funny guy but you always got to tee the tee the line but miami heat twitter has uh, done an excellent job of creating a fun atmosphere you know you get with this social media being the social media era everybody we all as players i'd say i speak for myself is that we we give more attention to the negative and I had to tell myself that, like, my, and being in New Orleans and, deal, and dealing with the same thing that you were talking about as far as the financial and everybody saying this and that about it, it's like I would just give my attention to the negative instead of seeing the, the positive, um, and especially in the social media. Like, I'm not, I'm not looking for somebody to change my life with a, with a mention in Twitter, but I go there for the, for the positive, for the, the good vibes and, and the jokes and laughs and um, information. And Miami Heat Twitter does a great job of, of get, showing love in their own way. Probably one of the more active um, Twitters and fan bases out there. And it's easy to show love when, when there's so much love shown to you. And um, that kind of just parlayed his way into me being in a bubble, having some time and, um, and, and vibing off of that. And that's something that I'm always hold, hold dear to me is, you know, uh, Miami Heat Twitter has been, has been huge in my ability to have my social media. Uh, quick shout out to uh, Ab- uh, uh, Mahmoud Abdul Ralph. That was yes, it. sir. There you go. I, I appreciate there you, you coming through with that. All right, I got sure. I got one more for you before I'm gonna let you go. For sure. Uh, complete for sure. change of pace, but I, I want to talk a little bit about your presence, particularly last summer uh, in the league's fight for social justice. You know, obviously there are a lot of you know, somebody like LeBron kind of being at the front of it and, and gets a lot of acknowledgement and credit. Uh, not saying that that's not, not well-deserved, uh, considering all that he's done, but I personally felt like there were a lot of people kind of like behind the scenes that, that were pushing these conversations and, and progressing these issues forward. Uh, and I felt like you were one of them, particularly in the community of our group and our team, uh, your perspective that you would share was one that, that I remember the most as, as just being eye-opening, talking about your upbringing and, and your relationship uh, or your experience uh, in this country, you know, growing up and, you know, being somebody who, who came from very little and then now 
has much more relative to, to what they grew up with. Just talk a little bit about that, if you will, and, and kind of the process of finding your, your voice amongst that, uh, that summer. Yeah. Um, that summer was kind of, you know, I think I always give, I give B West tremendous credit. Um, he had yeah, this. This is like the, his third shout out on this. Man, that's my that's my guy, man. Um, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to have some. And I try. I, I take things from everybody, uh, regardless of who they are. I try to take something and learn something from them, regardless of of our personal relationship. No matter what, I feel like you know somebody always brings something to the table that you can learn. And, and he had said something with the MBPA was like, uh, and shout out to everybody that had something to do with where we are today. You know, there's a lot of big figures that get a lot of tremendous credit and they deserve tremendous credit. But then everybody, you know, that has done anything that has been in the social justice realm, you know, I think. Um, and that was my, that was my position to play is that I didn't, I, it's just like my, my career. I just, I want to be able to help move the needle. I don't need to take it, pick it up and, and move it. And, and everybody kind of see me do that or, and I don't have the flame to to bring it to different people's attention, but I can, in a small room, like you said, in a social setting like we had, an intimate setting that we had, I'm able to share my personal upbringing. And if I'm able to affect one person, then I, I think I did my job. Um, and we continue to um, enlighten those around us, you know, with, with a percentage of what the league is, of, of people of that story, entertainment, period, football, basketball, one of the biggest things that, you know, you see on draft night is people like to talk about what, where the kids came from, you know, with their mom, their dad, you know, what type of house they lived in. You see some of the guys that go viral because they were in foster care or they didn't have a house. They were homeless and they fought for this. And for me, it kind of it kind of just involves into that like a hamster wheel, like a, just a cycle continues of we keep getting these athletes that come from like nothing and make and give them and turn them into something. And it's kind of like we, we keep celebrating them overachieving or accomplishing something when it's like, hey, how about we just, we give them other options. They don't have to be the one athlete that makes it out of, because there's other people that went to their school. <laughs> you know, if we're talking about their success and they were like this, they went to a school of 20,000 people, 30,000 people. What about the ones that didn't make it to the NBA or the ones that didn't make it to the NFL? What are their chances at life or a good quality of life? Um, and those are the people that I'm fighting for uh, because like even the world players in the NBA, um, you know, and you have a life to who you are, you know, you have an ability to change and affect your community. Um, and that was, it, it was a, it was a big moment. I would say in a sense of we was able to come together as a team, as a unit in the NBA and have, you know, that discussion in the bubble, we didn't have every team there, but to see everybody come together, like that was was a beautiful sight for me um, and for us to come together and come up with decisions. It showed what the NBA had lacked prior to that moment, and that was togetherness. Um, because we're always competing against each other. You never have a moment to really come together for something bigger than yourself. And I hope to continue that dialogue, um, not just within the NBA, but with my friends, my families, and my local community. Um, but that was something that is and has always been kind of big to me. Well, I appreciate that solo, um, and I appreciate you coming on. Uh, like I said, long overdue. Uh, you were a highly anticipated guest, so thank you. It's true. Thank you for joining us. Man, um, I appreciate y'all for having me. And man, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, to chopping it up here soon. Maybe in Atlanta or something, we can grab some dinner. I don't yeah, know. Bro, I, know I know you're a busy guy, so we'll see. Probably after I celebrate my third Central Division championship in a row, maybe we grab something to eat. Whoa. Ball probably down there or something, you know what I'm saying? Um, Whoa. Maybe, you know what, maybe after after the finals, we could grab lunch in Greece or something. I'm, I got to ask PJ <laughs> with some good spots or something like that. But, yeah, bro, we I, you know I got time, man. You know I'm here. I mean, I see you in, like, what, a week and a half? I get something to be blessed like with your presence again. Yeah, so man. anytime, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right, my God. Appreciate you coming on.